From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Tuesday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. Uh, Father Wade is back in the saddle, uh, saluting with his left hand. Uh, and uh, We'll get more of an update from Father Wade in just a moment. But if you'd like to be part of the program, pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, that number is one 205 Two seven one two nine eight five, and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five. Uh, you can also send us an email. That email address is openline at ewtn.com, or you can text your question. No, you can't. Not yet. We're working on that. <laughs> One day we hope to be able to text again, but not not today. See, I've reverted all the way back to pre-Father Wade injury <laughs> status. Um, but if you are watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, uh, you can type a question into the chat window, and Jeff Burson, magnificent person, will get it to us um, as the program goes along here. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Gubensky, as I mentioned, Jeff Burson handling our social media efforts, and our host is he is every Tuesday, unless he's recuperating from surgery. Father Wade Menezes, how are you? I'm doing great, Jack. In week five of uh, recuperation from rotator cuff surgery, along with a torn labrum and a detached upper bicep muscle. Those are the three things that had to be repaired. Yeah, and that's <laughs> so. because your shoulder was dislocated when you were wrestling with an angel. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, hearkening back to the Old Testament there. Uh, you know, I, I heard you a couple weeks back saying that the, uh, the the wing was still in the sling, so Father Wade's not with us today. But hopefully he would be back with his, his uh, fast-pitch ball. You know, and as, as we well know, Jack, you know, so-called opening day is the day in which professional baseball leagues uh, uh, begin their regular season, whether major league or even the minor leagues, right? And this day typically... Falls the first week of April. The last couple of years, it's been the, the last week of March. So, so regardless, I have a few months yet to to get it together. Uh, ESPN incidentally announced that uh, March 30th uh, at nighttime, seven o'clock Eastern, will be the the first game uh, opening night, quote end quote, of that opening day, March 30th. And uh, the World Series champion Houston Astros will host the Chicago White Sox at Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Now, the reason why I say this is because I was at a parish mission not too long ago. Uh, it was Lent of 2022, and as I was greeting the people on the second night as they were exiting the church there in the vestibule before I went and heard the 815 confessions post-mission talk, a wonderful elderly couple that had come the first night as well, uh, they came up to me arm-in-arm, arm, cutest, cutest older couple, and the husband said, Father, my wife and I just want to tell you, we love watching you on ESPN. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
So I said, well, thank you very much for that. But I think you might mean EWTN, right? Oh, Father, we're sorry. We're sorry. I said, that's all right, sir. I know very well now what you watch at home. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. So it is a new year since we last were with you uh, live and in person. And you're going to talk a little bit about that uh, whole notion of New Year's resolution. And you're actually going to steal some of my best material. Oh, uh, yes. I'll have you know. So, the, uh, the material that I know I, you love. I, st- I have stolen it fair and square, and now you're yeah. stealing it back for today. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's not copyright. St. Paul says, share the wisdom, Jack. And that's what we do with these 14 spiritual exercises that I'm counting today as spiritual New Year's resolutions. But first, I want to talk about the temporal resolutions. Before I do that, I want to give a shout-out thank you uh, to both um, John Martinoni, who filled in for me two weeks ago today, and uh, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, who filled in a week ago today for me, and, and for pitch heading for me, as to pardon the pun there, talking about the baseball metaphor, but I want to thank those two gentlemen. They did a fantastic job. I was able to listen to both shows. But yeah, I want to talk about the top 10 temporal resolutions from a national poll, and then talk about the spiritual resolutions that I'd like to uh, encourage our listeners to follow through with, some of them at least. Um, you know, we're a body-soul composite, Jack. I, I've said that many times on, op- on Open Line Tuesday. We don't have bodies. We are bodies. We don't have souls. We are souls. So this national poll that was in the news gave us these top 10 temporal New Year's resolutions that Americans made for 2023. Number 10, I'm going to start with 10 and work my way down. 10 was learn something new, you know, whether it's learning to ski, golf, or cook. We all want to learn something new this year, and the good news is there's plenty of time to get started on whatever it is you want to learn, you know, so, so figure out what that is and, and go for it. Number nine is spend time with more family. Amen to that. Uh, spending more quality time with more family and family members is a great resolution and fun to keep. After all, did anybody ever wish they spent more time at work and increased their work week from 40 hours to 80 hours? I don't think so, okay? And if they have, they're probably a workaholic, and they need to address that in their spiritual life. Number eight is improve your mental health. For most of us, when it comes to our health and resolutions, it's all about our physical health, losing weight and getting in shape, etc. But we can easily forget our mental health, and so this is very important. So be sure to make that part of your New Year resolutions, this poll said. Number seven is important, pay down debt. Having a mountain of debt is one of the most stressful things we deal with, and it's also one of the scariest things to think about. That is the ramifications of carrying so much debt, right? Any financial advisor would tell you to pay it down and avoid adding to it. And with the interest rates being so high, it's more important than ever now to pay it down and to make extra payments if you're able to. Uh, Number six is try to be happier in general. Trying to be happier in general is a worthy resolution, no doubt. Who doesn't want to be happier? Find small things to do that make you happy. And the best news is some of those things are even free, like getting in a good hike in a beautiful mountain terrain or, or, or going fishing, you know, anything like that, that that you find that really puts you at peace and in a happy disposition. Listening to Open Line Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, number five, lose some weight. Losing weight is always a top five resolution, this poll says. And most of us make it for a good reason. We have been through the food gamut, starting with Halloween and straight through all of the New Year's Day parties with Christmas in between, right? We tell ourselves that beginning in January, the diet starts, quote, end quote. If this is something you have on your list, then you are not alone. Many, many Americans make that resolution. Again, it's always in the top five, and it varies in the number. Number four is eating healthier. 
after all the parties again that started around Halloween and through Thanksgiving and Christmas and ending on New Year's Day with another great meal, most of us could probably eat healthier now, so grab some more salads throughout the week and less bad carbs, for example. Number three is tied to this, work out more. There's a, a reason why you're seeing nonstop ads on television or hearing them nonstop on the radio, right, for health clubs and gyms. This is because they tell us that January is their busiest month of the year at the local gym. Uh, They offer great deals to join them, but a person joining them and a person using them are two different things. This is why I'm a huge advocate, Jack, of of investing in a good home gym. In fact, we Fathers of Mercy have done that within the last year, both in the Brothers Building and the Priest Building. We've got some great equipment. And uh, so invest. Think about investing in a home gym, right? I think that's just a great idea. Number two is be healthier in general. This is a great way to package all the ways to be healthier this year in general. Adding a workout program to a commitment to eat better combined with the desire desire to be happier is a winning combination that is hard to beat. So some of these 10 resolutions, temporarily speaking, are interconnected, no doubt. And number one, drum roll please, save money. Save money. The number one goal on this poll is to save money this year, which ties in nicely with the number seven goal of paying down debt. Without paying down your debt, it is very hard to save money, right? Once you have paid down your debt, however, then you can really begin to save money. It's a whole lot easier to be happier and healthier knowing you have money in the bank resting there, and it will help you to sleep better. So saving money is number one. And there you have it. Did any of these temporal resolutions from this national U.S. poll land in your personal list of top ten temporal resolutions? By the way, Jack, this poll also found that almost no one who makes a resolution expects to fail at it with 87% of the respondents saying that they are confident that they will follow through with their resolutions this year, proving once again that hope springs eternal. And speaking of eternal, I want to talk about spiritual resolutions when we get back from the break. The spiritual resolutions need to be uh, hand-in-hand with some of these temporal resolutions that I just talked about. And again, we'll talk more about this when we come back. But when we come back and I share the spiritual resolution suggestions to our listeners, I want our listeners to call in, Jack, and share what some of their temporal and spiritual resolutions for 2023 are. Or maybe it's something you've done already now, even before 2022 ended. Uh, Give us a call. Give us a witness about some temporal and spiritual resolutions for the body-soul composite that we human persons are. This is very, very important. We don't have bodies. We are bodies. And we don't have souls. We are souls. This is how intimate and intricate the body-soul composite reality is in the individual human person. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Tuesday with the return of Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. You know, you can help us spread the word of the good work we're doing here at EWTN by becoming an EWTN Media Missionary. 
Uh, you can take the, the good news of EWTN to your parish and within your sphere of influence. We'll give you all the materials and all the training that you need. If you'd like to learn more, simply log on to EWTNmissionaries.com. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. What are some of your New Year's resolutions? We want to hear about them, spiritual and temporal. 833-288-3986. All right, Father Wade, I give you permission to use the material that I stole from you in this next segment. Go ahead. Okay, very good. Again, th- thank goodness St. Paul says share the wisdom. You know, this isn't copyrighted material. There are, no co- tec- there are no copyrights in the kingdom of God. You know, technically it is copyrighted because of my book, The Four Last Things, that I'm holding up right now for the viewers who are watching us on our, our Facebook live feed at EWT. Catholic Radio, or on our YouTube feed at EWTN YouTube page, uh, I do explain each of these 14 uh, spiritual exercises, which I'm calling spiritual resolutions for 2023, any number of them or any combination of them, or maybe all of them, uh, do appear with explanations after each one, a short little paragraph explaining in detail what I mean in each one. Uh, in my book, The Four Last Things, A Catechetical Guide to Death, Judgment, Heaven, and Hell, five chapters, Death, Judgment, Heaven, hell, and the fifth chapter is titled, The Necessity of the Spiritual Life. And of course, that's where these uh, 14 spiritual exercises appear, is in that chapter 5, titled again, The Necessity of the Spiritual Life. So, number one, monthly confession, right? A good, holy, reverent, monthly confession. I've said it so many times on Open Line Tuesday with different callers about confession. You know, for example, in honor of the first Friday devotion to the Sacred Heart, or the first Saturday devotion on honor of the Immaculate Heart, a great time to remember at the beginning of each month, oh, I got to get to confession. What, what our Lord calls to St. Faustina, uh, the tribunal of mercy, the court of mercy, where the Father himself is the just judge, Uh, The Son himself is your public defender, free of charge, and the Holy Spirit, I like to say, is sitting in the jury box. Uh, The great tribunal of mercy, monthly confession. Number two, weekly Eucharist and a weekly visit to the Blessed Sacrament. So not only your Sunday obligation mass uh, and attendance, and and that's obligatory not because we fear God out of of a servile way, but because we love him in a filial way, uh, the fear of not wanting to disappoint, the filial fear. Uh, Weekly Eucharist, our our Sunday obligation mass, um, not out of fear, but precisely out of love, huh? And a weekly visit to the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe your parish has a perpetual Eucharistic adoration chapel that you can go make a half-hour visit, or better yet, a holy hour, or just a 15-minute visit on your lunch break from work uh, to help sanctify your day. Uh, if your parish doesn't have a, does not have a Eucharistic uh, adoration chapel, just go make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, uh, not exposed, but still in the tabernacle, in, in holy reservation, huh? and just uh, ponder the beautiful, live, living flame of the sanctuary lamp next to the tabernacle, which symbolizes what? The real, living, true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. That's why the tabernacle lamp has to be a true living flame, because precisely it uh, shows forth the reality of the true living presence of Christ in the Eucharist, in his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Uh, Number three, a a third possible New Year's spiritual resolution, Jack, is the morning offering, right? Uh, I pray every morning my morning offering upon arising, and included in that morning offering is is the prayer that the day I do die, whether it's through a slow demise, like through an illness, or whether it's suddenly, like in a car accident, I pray in my morning offering that the day I do die, I will have made a morning offering. I want to make a morning offering the day I die. 
And that's important. It's a, it's a staple Catholic Christian practice, the morning offering. There's many beautiful ones out there. There's one in honor of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. There's one in honor of the Blessed Trinity. Uh, there's all kinds of morning. Maybe there's one in your favorite prayer book that you want to pray and, and memorize. Maybe you just want your morning offering to be ad-libbed. Uh, off the top of your head, off the top of your mind, off the top of your lips, uh, your love for God in your own words, huh? and, and consecrating your day to him. Number four, the rosary, the daily rosary, something that Pope St. John Paul II promoted so beautifully and so frequently during his 26-plus years as Pope, and of course Our Lady of Fatima to the three shepherd children, uh, really recommended the daily rosary specifically for world peace and for the sanctification of marriages and family life, so viciously and brutally under attack today, huh? So five decades of the, of the rosary daily. How about the, the chaplet of divine mercy? Just one daily, you know, a five-decade chaplet. It only takes about six and a half, seven minutes to pray. The five-decade rosary, rosary only takes about 16 or 17 minutes to pray. Heck, you could pray both of these beautiful beaded prayers side by side with your daily exercise, which is one of those uh, temporal resolutions, right? To want to to uh, be healthier, exercise, stay in shape, uh, lose weight. So you could pray those two beautifully beaded prayers within a half hour uh, side by side while getting your, your power walk in. Uh, how about fasting according to the mind of Holy Mother Church? Two smaller meals uh, and one regular sustaining meal. And the two smaller meals, when combined, do not quite equal that one sustaining meal. And nothing in between except for medication or water that is needed, right? Uh, well, heck, I know many, many people, myself included, that I'm kind of embarrassed to say this. I, I do that daily, but not necessarily for the intention of fasting, just to kind of be healthy myself. So uh, maybe I need to put a, a greater emphasis and focus on it to make it an act of fasting. But, but that's, that's what I mean when I say fasting, quote-unquote, according to the mind of the church. Uh, two smaller meals and one regular sustaining meal. And the two smaller meals, when combined, do not quite equal the one regular sustaining meal, and nothing in between except for water or medication. Uh, how about the two daily examinations of conscience? The, the midday one, called the particular examine, and the end of the day one, which is called the general examine. Uh, what are these? Well, it's when we look over our day, even particularly, either particularly up to the midpoint of the day, around 12 noon, 1 o'clock, where we look at a particular virtue we're trying to advance or a particular vice we're trying to uproot, right? And we ask ourselves, well, how have I done so far up to this hour, midway through the day? How have I done with wanting to grow in patience? How have I, wa how have I grown in wanting to want to do away with unjust anger? Have I done all right? And then you close it with an act of contrition. Uh, again, it could be an act of contrition out of your favorite Catholic prayer book. It could be one that you memorized years ago in preparation for your first confession and first Holy Communion. It could be one just ad-libbed off the top of your head. How about the confidior from Mass? I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. That penitential rite, the confidior at Mass, is an act of contrition in and of itself. So that, that could be the version you say. A, a liturgical prayer version could be the one you say. And then Halfway, at the end of the day, yep. Go ahead. At the end of the day, we make what's called the general examine, where we look at our day generally. 
uh, throughout the whole day. And we look at all, all virtues, all vices that, that we want to grow in and, and root out, that the virtues and the vices respectively, and we ask ourselves, how have we done? And then you, you close that before you hit the pillow at night. Uh, you close that with a, a, another examination of con- uh, another act of contrition. All right, we're halfway through Father Wade's 14 spiritual exercises, and we still have wide open phone lines. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. You continue, Father. I'm going to make some short aspirational prayers now. Yes, very good. That's the next one on the list, the short, fervent aspiration prayers. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. The beautiful wording on the miraculous medal from St. Catherine Laboré. How about uh, each time we pass a, a Catholic church? O, o sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. How about each time we pass a cemetery, Catholic or not? Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and all the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. How about this? My guardian angel, protect me. How about this? Uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I love you, save souls. I love the aspiration prayers. I say in the four last things, these are simple one or two sentence prayers that can be said in a single breath, hence aspiratory, quote, end quote. These are great to get into the habit of saying, Jack, because they help us recognize the presence of God throughout the day. These short aspiration prayers can be based on scripture or other devotions. For example, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad, Psalm 118, verse 24. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not one, Psalm 23, 1. I've already said, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I love you, save souls. My guardian angel, protect me. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of ones. You could even make up your own aspiration prayers. How's that? And again, they help us practice the P-O-G throughout the day, the presence of God. Next on my list, number nine, is a daily liturgical reader with short meditation for each day. Some that are out there is the wonderful Magnificat. How about One Bread, One Body? How about uh, The Word Among Us? Uh, these are different ones that are put out by different Catholic publishers or and or religious orders, uh, just great, great daily liturgical readers. So uh, they have for in them, for example, uh, the daily mass citations of where they can be found in scriptures, or they'll have the whole readings for the mass of that day written out like Magnificat does. So just great to have it, uh, this liturgical daily reader. It includes uh, quotes from the saints, short biographies of the saints of the day, of that calendar day. Just great to have and invest uh, so much a month into a daily liturgical reader. Uh, Number 10, Jack, is the use of sacramentals. I'm huge on this, as is all in my family, uh, both religious and spiritual family, uh, natural family as well, the Menezes. Use of sacramentals, whether an object such as the use of holy water and wearing religious medals, say of your confirmation patron saint or your baptismal name patron saint, or in actions like giving blessings, parents giving their children blessings, for example, and carrying out the practice of indulgences. Next time you go to a Catholic bookstore or order online from a Catholic vendor, order the book of indulgences. Over 250 ways to obtain a plenary or partial indulgence. How beautiful is that? So the use of sacramentals. Put a holy water font by that door that gets used the most, huh? And each time you exit the house to go somewhere, and each time you come back in the house upon your return, bless yourself with that holy water and call to mind your baptism in Jesus Christ. And 11 through 14, uh, Jack, are four staple texts that I believe should be in every Catholic home, readily accessible, in the room that gets used the most. And this is by no means an exhaustive list, but of course, sacred scripture, the Bible, try to take on one chapter daily. Uh, Of course, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Universal Catechism, 
I'm holding it up here to the screen uh, for those who are watching live at our YouTube page or our Facebook page at EWTN or EWTN Catholic Radio, respectively. Uh, invest in a copy of the entire catechism, the full catechism. Get a hardbound, too. Uh, that way it lasts longer. You could write it up and, uh, and so forth. Same with the Bible. Try to get a hardbound Bible. You can write up in the margins. It, it'll last longer. It'll hold up better to wear and tear. But Sacred Scripture, the Bible, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Number 13 is a good condensed version of the lives of the saints, where each saint's life is maybe a page or a page and a half. Why? Why, why a short, condensed version? Because then you're more apt to read, read it. You're more apt to take on a saint each week or a saint each day. In fact, uh, one that's put out uh, by Ignatius Press, I believe, that you can get from EW10 Religious Catalog is Bert Gezi's Voices of the Saints. It's actually designed to be a 365-day reader where you take a saint a day. Now, that said, you can take one a week, but uh, it's, it's great short biographies on the saints, and I love that particular text because he talks about the different faux pas, the different issues, dependencies, and addictions of the saints. And we'll finish up the last text, which makes number 14, when we come back from our break. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Grab one of these open phone lines at 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Mike in Grand Rapids. But first, Father Wade, you've got one item left on your 14 spiritual exercises to help foster the spiritual life. That's right, which I want to double as spiritual resolutions for 2023. Number 14 is St. Faustina's Diary. Try to read a paragraph or two each day. Uh, Such a beautiful, mystical work on God's greatest attribute, uh, the mercy that he holds for each one of us in his heart. Uh, the mercy of God. You know, Pope Emeritus, uh, Benedict XVI, God rest his soul, he once called St. Faustina's diary, which is titled Divine Mercy in My Soul, he once uh, said, quote, uh, uh, it's one of the greatest works of mystical literature in the 2,000-year history of the Church, end quote. That means he's ranking it right alongside St. Faustina's Diary with other such great works as St. Augustine's Confessions or Augustine's City of God or St. Teresa of Avila's The Way of Perfection or uh, her biography, her autobiography, uh, St. John of the Cross's Dark Night of the Soul, Thomas Akimpa's The Imitation of Christ, all those great spiritual classics, St. Francis de Sales' uh, Introduction to the Devout Life and even St. Therese's A Story of a Soul. Uh, Benedict XVI ranked Faustina's diary, Divine Mercy in My Soul, right along those other great spiritual works as one of the greatest works of spiritual, uh, mystical literature in the 2,000-year history of the Church. How awesome is that? So, again, the four texts, number 11 through 14 on my list, is Sacred Scripture, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Lives of the Saints, a good condensed version, and St. Faustina's diary. And by the way, when we read the short condensed version of the Lives of the Saints, Pay particular attention to those saints that have the same state in life and vocation as you. So husbands and fathers, pay attention to the husband and father saints. Wives and mothers, pay particular attention to the wife and mother saints. Priests, uh, whether diocesan or religious priests, pay particular attention to those uh, blesseds and saints uh, that that were uh, uh, priests, whether diocesan or religious. We can learn a lot by reading any saint of any vocation or state in life. Don't get me wrong. So I can benefit from reading a husband and father saint or a wife and mother saint. No doubt. 
Okay, don't get me wrong on that. That said, that said, just pay particular attention to those canonized saints and blesseds of the Catholic Church that have the same state in life as you. Why? I'll tell you why. Because they lived in the modern world of their time with that vocation, just as you live in the modern world of your time with that vocation. Same vocation. And if they did it, you can do it. Never, ever forget that. So there you have it, Jack, a 14 spiritual exercises to help uh, foster the spiritual life, which double as New Year's spiritual resolutions to be held in tandem with the 10 temporal resolutions that I kicked off with at the beginning of the hour. And uh, our friends and listeners, Jack, of course, can go to fathersofmercy.com and on the search bar simply type 14 spiritual exercises, 14 spiritual exercises, spell out the number, the number 14. And uh, this list of my 14 spiritual exercises will come right up and you can print it out on your home printer. Hey, how, how could like somebody maybe one day wind up on the Fathers of Mercy website? Oh, I'll tell you exactly. They can go to fathersofmercy.com, read about our vocations and entrance process into our community, which involves a come and see weekend, right? And they can contact our vocation director, Father Ken Geraci, who will set them up to come do a come and see weekend with us, either individually or with other gentlemen who are also making a come and see weekend at the same time. And I like to share this, this truth too, Jack. You know, what does it mean to be a father of mercy, an itinerant missionary, missionary preacher, a staffer of rural parishes as a pastor or an associate pastor? It means a man who wants to be faithful to the church founded by Jesus Christ, his one holy Catholic and apostolic church, a man who wants to stay faithful to the sacred deposit of faith, which is that heritage of faith, contained in sacred scripture and tradition and handed on in the church from the time of the apostles, from which the magisterium, the teaching office of the church, draws all that it proposes for belief as being divinely revealed. As a father of mercy, all of this conviction is publicly expressed in a dynamic missionary preaching apostolate, preaching parish missions, retreats, conferences, and devotions, and also staffing rural parishes. So uh, if you're contemplating a vocation with an active uh, religious order of men, and you're 18 to 40 years of age, gentlemen, take a look at the Fathers of Mercy. Go to fathersofmercy.com and contact our vocation director, Father Ken Geraci. Uh, we head now to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mike is listening on Sirius XM 130 today. Mike, thanks so much for holding. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Thank you, Father, for taking my question. Um, I'll try to make this short, um, but I'm just really curious. If you can receive communion going to different masses on the same day. And what I mean by that is, like, I do some work at my church on masses on Saturday Mass and Sunday Mass. And, like, I'll receive communion on Saturday when I'm at Mass, but then when I go Sunday morning, I receive communion as well. But we have two different Masses on Sunday, and a couple of weeks ago I had to attend both Sunday Masses. And I asked, you know, the priest I said was, I asked him, was I able to receive communion on both Sunday Masses, and he said no, because they are technically the same Mass. So what confused me, and I had another priest tell me that you could, but you just couldn't build it up as credit, so to speak, which I totally understand. Um, but I guess my question is, is the Saturday Mass, would that be considered the same Mass as the Sunday Mass, where I would be receiving it Saturday and Sunday for the same Mass, if that makes sense? Um, we, sure, just, sure. Mike, what a great question. When you say Saturday Mass, Mike, when you keep saying Saturday Mass, do you mean the Saturday morning Mass for the weekday, or do you mean the Saturday Vigil Mass, which the fulfills Saturday Sunday vigil. obligation? Exactly, that one. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. that is 
Okay, great. So here's what canon law says. Canon law uh, spells this out very, very clearly. There's a difference between a liturgical day and a calendar day. A liturgical day begins on the Saturday evening with the Vigil Mass. We begin Sunday, also with the beginning of praying of Vespers 1 on Saturday night. We enter into the liturgical day of Sunday on the Saturday evening. Now, so you have a liturgical day and you have a calendar day, like the calendar day today is January 17th, okay? Yesterday was the calendar day of January 16th. Uh, 24 hours, seven days a week, we have a calendar day, huh? seven times a week, each one being 24 hours. So here's what canon law tells us. On a given calendar day, not a liturgical day, but a calendar day, again, like January 17th, January 16th, yesterday, on a calendar day, you can receive Holy Communion twice, provided the second time you receive is at a full Mass. The first time you receive of those two times does not need to be a full Mass. Let me give you an example. It's Tuesday, January 17th, today. And this morning you're visiting your grandmother in the nursing home, and while you're visiting her, the deacon comes by to bring her Holy Communion because she, your grandmother, is on the deacon's list to receive Holy Communion in the nursing home. And the deacon happens to have an extra host left, o- left over because another patient transferred to a different nursing home. So he has an extra host. And this is at 8 o'clock in the morning that this is happening, what I'm describing. And you have the habit of going to 5 o'clock evening mass daily, Monday through Friday at your church. This is happening in the nursing home at 8 o'clock in the morning. And he says, oh, by the way, Mike, I have an extra host. Would you like to receive Holy Communion with your grandmother since I have this extra host? And it's 8 a.m. in the morning. You can say yes, because you know that the second time you're going to receive that evening at your 5 o'clock Mass, which you go to regularly, daily Mass, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. at your parish, you know that that second time you receive at 5 p.m. will be a full Mass. Now, let's reverse it. You have the habit of going to Mass Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. at your parish, and it's Tuesday, January 17th, and you're visiting your grandmother now at 5 o'clock in the evening at the nursing home. And the deacon says, oh, I happen to have an extra host, uh, Michael. Uh, Would you like to receive with your grandmother? You would graciously decline because you know that the second time now that you would receive in the nursing home, if you did it, would not be a full Mass. And so you graciously decline. So on any one given calendar day, not a liturgical day, but a calendar day, you can receive communion twice, provided the second time is a full Mass, a full liturgy. Um, Why does the Church have such a seemingly, seemingly funny rule? Well, first of all, it's not funny at all. It's to protect from over-reception, either by scrupulous souls who want to receive seven Holy Communions in a day, and they run and go off to every single Mass, all the while not trying to overcome their scrupulosity, or, and or, it's to protect souls from seeing the Eucharist as something very flippant, like a lollipop. Well, the seven sacraments aren't lollipops. They're serious business, right? Each sacrament is a literal meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the Most Holy Eucharist, it's a meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ par excellence. Because where the other six sacraments effect the grace they signify, the Eucharist is what it signifies. 
it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so the sacraments aren't lollipops. They're, they're serious business. So we want to protect from over-reception of the Eucharist, either by scrupulous souls or souls that see the Eucharist as something non-important and something as very flippant, with a, receiving with a certain flippancy. We want to avoid those two extremes, the laxity at one extreme with the flippancy and the rigidity at the other extreme with the scrupulous souls. Remember, virtue is always found in the mean, the via media. Virtue is always found in the mean. Never forget that. We don't want to go too far left nor too far right. I'm not trying to sound political here, but Thomas Aquinas teaches that virtue is found in the mean. It's found in the via media, the middle road, right? And that's very, very important. So again, canon law spells out very clearly, Mike, that on a given calendar day, not a liturgical day, but a given calendar day, we can receive Holy Communion twice on that day, provided the second time is a full Mass. The first time doesn't have to be a full Mass. It, it may be a, a full Mass, and that would be great too. In other words, it's a Saturday, right? It's a Saturday. You go to your 12 noon niece's wedding, which has a full nuptial Mass at your parish. She lives locally near you. You went to her 12 noon Mass on Saturday. What's this Saturday? Uh, the 21st. So let's say this Saturday you go to your niece's wedding at 12 noon at your parish, but then you have the habit of fulfilling your Sunday obligation because of a work schedule, you go to the vigil mass at five o'clock on Saturday night. Well, that's two times that you went to two full masses, and the second time you received communion was a full mass, which is fine. The first time you receive may be a full mass, it may not be a full mass. It may be a full mass like your niece's 12 noon wedding. It may not be a full mass like your 8, 8 a.m. visit to your grandmother in the nursing home. Irregardless, the second time has to be a full Mass. The first time may or may not be a full Mass. Does that help you out, Mike? Yeah, that makes sense. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I understand that. It, you know, the analogies kind of help me understand that. So, so Great, I guess Mike. My, my, my only last follow-up question is then, so Saturday being a full Mass for the Vigil Mass and Sunday being a full Mass, that's, you can read the calendar days, I understand, the Sunday Mass, with them both being full Mass, I should have only received, I can only receive communion once on that day because they are both full Masses then, correct? The Saturday Vigil and the Sunday? Yeah, no, like, yeah, the, the Saturday Vigil is full Mass, and then the Sunday Vigil, or the Sunday Mass, both of them were full Mass, so... Yes, but on they're Sunday, on two... Di- yes, they are both full Masses, the Saturday Vigil and the Sunday Morning Mass, but they're on different calendar days. So you can receive it both. Canon law doesn't address the liturgical day when it comes to receiving communion twice. Canon law only addresses the calendar day. So if you go, because you're in the choir at the vigil mass, you go and you be in the choir at the vigil mass, and you attend the full mass precisely because you're in the choir at the vigil mass Saturday night at 5 o'clock, you can receive Holy Communion, no doubt. And then then at the 10 o'clock mass on Sunday, you're in the choir again. In fact, it's the bigger choir, and you're in that one. That's the one where you all put on your robes and everything, okay? And you sing more polyphony and more chant, uh, because it's the big mass, quote-unquote. It's the most well-attended mass, the 10 o'clock Sunday one. And you're there at that mass fully as well. You can receive communion at that one as well. No problem, because it's on two different calendar days. Even though it's the same liturgical day, it's two different calendar days. And that's the only issue that canon law addresses when it comes to receiving communion twice— is the calendar day that canon law addresses, not the liturgical day. So what if he then goes to the Life Teen Mass on Sunday at 5 o'clock? 
He could receive it that one, too, because on that, I presume you mean Sunday night Mass, Jack. That's right. That would be his second Mass on that calendar day of that Sunday he could receive again. Does that clear it up, Mike? Yeah, it clears it up. That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you very much. All right, God bless you now. Take care. Thanks, we appreciate that phone call. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Still time for your calls at 833-288-3986. Pieter is watching on YouTube, and he says, Father, what about the Liturgy of the Hours? Can lay people exercise it? Absolutely, absolutely, Uh, Pieter. In fact, uh, many of the Third Order members who are lay secularists, uh, like the Third Order Carmelites, the Third Order Dominicans, Third Order Franciscans, etc., part of their making of their promises, precisely as Third Order members, is to take on, for example, lauds and vespers, or morning prayer and evening prayer, respectively, of um, the Liturgy of the Hours, also known as the Breviary. Uh, By the way, there are some wonderful websites out there now where you can have the entire Liturgy of the Hours on your smartphone. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, thought and and reality to know that the the daily Liturgy of the Hours, the daily breviary, and it's five to seven prayer periods. Uh, Active communities pray the five, the contemplative uh, communities pray the seven, they pray two additional periods. Um, how beautiful it is that, that those are at your fingertips. And, and one of those websites is uh, divineoffice.org. Divineoffice.org. So the Liturgy of the Hours, the Divine Office, the Breviary, those are three terms all meaning the same thing. And even a layperson, uh, Pietor, who is, who is not in, in a third order member in his, mem- his or her membership as a third order secularist to a, attached to a religious order of the church, Uh, they can still take on the Liturgy of the Hours. Uh, Many permanent deacons, uh, my brother is one of them, uh, married with children, uh, they take on lauds and vespers. They're permanent deacons under a diocese. They don't belong to a religious order. Uh, They take on a portion of the divine office. So absolutely, or a simple layman, simple laywoman with no attachment to diaconate ordination, nor to any ministry, lector or acolyte or anything like that, nor to any religious order. You can just simply pray the divine office. Wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, thing to do, by the way, to really enrich the spiritual life. We can help you with one of uh, Father Wade's 14 spiritual exercises, the Holy Rosary, tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time with Father Groeschel and Simonetta. Uh, It is Tuesday, so they'll be praying the Sorrowful Mysteries. Be sure to join them tonight for the Holy Rosary at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time right here on EWTN Radio. Next up is Vincent in the great state of New York listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Vincent, you're on with Father Wade. Okay, thank you, Father. Uh... I, would, I understood that if, if I uh, miss, made miss uh, Sunday morning or during the week, and then I went to a wedding or a funeral that same day, or I was in another parish, I would be able to receive again because it's a different community. Am I mistaken? Yeah, it doesn't have to do with a different parish church or a religious house where you go to their chapel for a full Mass, like we at the Fathers of Mercy here have our Chapel of Divine Mercy, and we have daily Mass open to the public. It doesn't matter if it's a religious house Mass, a parish church Mass, different parish churches, one for your niece's wedding and one for your own parish attendance where you're registered at. None of that matters. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is when it comes to receiving communion twice in one day, the second time has to be a full Mass on if it's the same liturgical day 
as the first time you received. The rule's very simple. You can receive Holy Communion twice in one day, one calendar day, provided the second time is at a full Mass. So it, it really doesn't have anything to do, Vincent, about uh, different locations or different churches, parish churches, or a religious house chapel versus a parish church, or an outdoor Mass at the park because it's St. Francis's feast day, October 4th, and the local parish priest is going to bless the pets after the homily, and everybody brought their pets to this outdoor Mass. It doesn't have anything to do with those types of things. It simply has to do with the calendar day, and you can receive communion twice on in one calendar day, provided the second time is a full Mass. The first time may be a full Mass, or it may not be a full Mass. Again, like if you're visiting your grandmother in the nursing home that morning. But the second time has to be a full Mass. So uh, I don't know if you caught the, the, the first caller on this subject, Mike, uh, a little late, but you could go back and listen to my answer to Mike more in full uh, at, at the bottom of the hour there is when we took him. Uh, but thank you. Yes, that, that's a good good question to help verify this topic even further, Vincent, and I appreciate you asking if it has to do with different church locations, and it does not. By the way, Jack, another shout-out in Thanksgiving to my own confrere, Father Joseph Itona, who filled in for me all this past week in January while the friars were on their annual retreat down in Hansville, the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament. I usually take that January time, and Father Joseph, during my recovery from uh, shoulder surgery, rotator cuff, at etc., uh, filled in for me those six days, and a, a, a hearty thank you to that confer of mine. And this week, he's holding a four-night parish mission here at the Fathers of Mercy, seven o'clock each night, Monday through Thursday. So last night was the opening night. We had about 75 or 80 people here. So if you're listening local to Auburn, Kentucky, uh, in our area here where the Fathers of Mercy are located, be sure to come out to uh, Father Joseph's uh, four-night parish mission, three nights left. So you can still uh, receive that plenary indulgence if you come the remaining three nights, because for the parish uh, mission indulgence, you have to attend the majority of the talks, which for a four-night mission would be at least three of them, and there's three more left Tuesday through Thursday night. Uh, Cheryl is in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, watching us on YouTube today. Cheryl, you're on with Father Wade. Good morning, Father Wade. I have a quick question for you regarding the liturgy of the hours. Since I do belong to the monastic Benedictine Monastery, Our Lady Guadalupe Monastery in Phoenix, Arizona, mm -hmm. and I need to know if our daily monastic schedule is also considered a uh, liturgy of the hours, such as the vigils, the laws, the terrace, the sex, the vespers, and the compliance. Are they considered liturgy of the hours? They are, and that's how you arrive at seven total. So the contemplative communities pray all seven uh, prayers, uh, all seven prayer periods, excuse me. Um, the active communities normally pray five. Uh, two of the midday ones are not prayed, uh, or, the, or excuse me, the early morning one, the late afternoon, they usually pray daytime prayer. But it sounds like the, the Benedictine community, which would be monastic, that you're attached to as a third-order secularist, is asking at least if not obligatory, at least voluntarily, it is asking their secularist members like yourself, who's a layperson attached to them, to pray all seven if you can. Uh, I presume that's what they're asking you to do, but I, I wouldn't think they would make that obligatory to you laity who are attached to that particular monastery, Our Lady Guadalupe. I would think they would encourage it, but not make it obligatory. Is that correct? So my, just my mother spear or sister Linda Campbell, she is making an absolute rule that we should do this on a daily basis, along with our rules okay. of St. Benedict, to read that also every single day. Yeah, then, then it, it sounds like she's really having you all commit as secular religious. So uh, that's quite a task you're taking on, and that's, that's quite a, 
very, very heroic. I, 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 it sounds like, though, even the way you word it the second time, she's not actually binding you underneath it. She's just strongly, strongly encouraging it. But yes, that's, to answer your question, that's how the, the, we arrive at the seven accounts of the seven different prayer periods. Thank you so much uh, for that great uh, statement, Cheryl. We appreciate it. And very quickly, we'll head to Dolores, a first-time caller in the great state of Ohio, listening on Living Bread Radio. Dolores, just a couple minutes left with Father Wade. What's your question today? My question is, who is in heaven? Is it only the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and Mary, or are the souls that have passed in heaven, or do they have to wait for the second coming? That's what I was told. And uh, I also wanted to ask you about the radio station at about 7.30... Every night, it gets all Let's tell you what, Dolores, we're right up against the clock here, so we're only going to be able to get to that first question today. Go ahead, Father. Yeah, so Dolores, when we die, the body and soul separate, and we either go to heaven, purgatory, which we are assured heaven if we go to purgatory, or we go to hell. And during that time of us dying, if we die before the second coming of Christ, it's only our soul that goes to either heaven, purgatory, or hell. And if we go to hell, it's by our own doing. God predestines no one to hell, as the Catechism teaches. It's by our own doing through purposeful, non-repentant mortal sin. Grave matter, fullness of knowledge, and done with deliberate consent of the will. If we go to purgatory as our soul, uh, we are assured heaven after a time of prior purification. If at the time of our earthly death we've already atoned for temporal punishment, there's no need to go to purgatory, and the soul goes straight to heaven. That is God's plan A for us. It is very possible to go straight to heaven when we die. This is why I pray for every morning in my morning offering to have the courage and fortitude, gifts of the Holy Spirit, to uh, have the strength and courage and fortitude to atone for any and all temporal punishment now while still living on earth so as to obtain the greatest of all graces of entering heaven immediately upon my death, right? Amen to that. That's God's plan A for us. His plan B for us, if you want to call it that, is to go to purgatory, because at least the holy souls in purgatory are assured heaven. That said, who wants to go there, right? I talk about this in the four last things. So our soul only goes. Then after the second coming takes place, the body is reunited with the soul, in either heaven or hell, because purgatory will cease at the second coming of Christ, because there's no more need for it. Uh, so the body is reunited. Now, who, who is already body and soul in heaven right now? The God-man Jesus Christ, through his resurrection and ascension to heaven 40 days later. He's a divine person with a fully human nature, so his body and soul composite are reunited since his ascension. He's in heaven. Uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary who was assumed into heaven upon her death uh, or upon her expiration of earthly life. She could have died. Maybe she didn't. There's good arguments on both sides. But the fact is, she's body and soul into heaven. Then scripture tells us that Elijah went up as though a chariot of fire. There's good conjecture on that. uh, But it's not defined by the church. So hopefully that helps you out, Dolores. Thank you so much. Father, would you leave us with a blessing? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. On behalf of our host, Father Wade Benizas, our producer, Michael McCall, call screener, Matt Kubensky, and social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks for tuning in. Back at it tomorrow with Father Mitch. Until then, God bless.